Well, hey, Hope City, happy Easter from the outlets here and uh, even wherever you're watching, you get to be a part of and get a taste of being here for Easter in the outlets. It's great to be together. And I love this story. You just heard it read in its entirety. And I have a fondness for this story right now because I'm a walking man. I'm getting my steps in. I got my, my watch, keeping track of everything, getting healthy Sean going. And uh, I read a study recently that said that walking while talking can actually increase vulnerability in that conversation. A lot of CEOs and supervisors are doing this with their employees because they want to maybe give feedback or debrief about a project and they want people to be honest. And it's so intimidating when you're sitting there face to face and you can see each other's faces. And so they'll actually go and they'll start just going on a walk. And by walking and talking together, it opens up a better communication. And here you have this story, these two disciples of Jesus doing exactly that. They're walking and they're talking. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and this walk and talk becomes this incredibly life-changing moment for these two people and inspiring to us today in 2021 on this Easter Sunday. And we're gonna look at this passage kind of bit by bit as we're, as we're going through. And I think we can relate to these guys right out of the gate. We see in verse 13 where this starts as they're just on this road to Emmaus, this tiny little town. Let's look at and reread that verse. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, we'll skip down to verse 17. They stood still and their faces were downcast. Emmaus, this tiny little town, it's not a destination town. You don't go to Emmaus, you go through Emmaus. Well, these two guys are heading home. Why? Because they've been following Jesus for who knows how long and seeing miracles, hearing his teachings, seeing what Jesus has been doing. But now Jesus has been killed, he's been buried, and the tomb has been discovered as empty. And, and in their doubt and in their unknown, the adventure's over. And so what are they doing? They're walking home. They're just on this journey, going home. The adventure is over. What's interesting is the words that Luke uses for conversation. You see that they talked and discussed with each other, right? There is an intensity to that discussion. They're having that walk and talk, that vulnerability. They're trying to figure all this out. How did he die? Why did he die? We thought he was the guy. Why did he have to die? And you feel that, but amidst all of this, what are they feeling? What does Luke say that they feel? And you see it right here. Their faces were downcast. These guys are bummed out. They're sad, they're depressed, they're, they're, they're disappointed. They're feeling a, a sense of hopelessness because everything is over. They put all their chips in on this one hand and it went bust according to their perspective. Jesus is dead, he's gone, it's over, what now, right? Asking that question, what do we do now? Where is God? What's next? And I wonder how many of us can resonate, resonate with that feeling over the past year. The past 12 months, right, has been a, a year filled with pandemic, death, uh, racial tension, political division. I mean, even Prince Harry's no longer a royal and Russell Wilson wants off the Seahawks. I mean, it's just chaos and anarchy out there. And we're sitting here wondering, where is God? In the midst of all of this, in this fear and this hopelessness, this anger, this vitriol, this confusion, all of this misinformation, we're sitting there asking ourselves, God, where are you? 
We're going along this walk of life asking each other, I guess he's dead. I don't know what's going on. And as the story continues, we see Jesus join them on the road. But they can't recognize him. For some reason, his identity has been veiled and he's unrecognizable. And we see in verse 15, as Jesus shows up and, and it begins to interact with them, begins to walk and talk with them. In Luke 24, verse 15 and 16, it says, Jesus himself came upon them and walked along with them, and they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And then this one guy, Cleopas, begins to mansplain to Jesus what happened to Jesus. I mean, think of the irony in that, right? He's just, let me explain. Jesus was this prophet, and he tells them about how he was killed, and then they went to the tomb. Or, Well, they didn't go, but the ladies went, and they showed up, and the tomb was empty, and now they're all bummed out. What's going on? They thought the, Jesus was the Messiah, and the Messiah had been tortured and killed, and I don't understand because I didn't think the chosen one would suffer like this. And so as Cleopas is mansplaining to Jesus, what do we see? We see his grief. We see his confusion. We see his doubts coming up, right? All of this. And again, we can resonate with these guys. We can relate to these guys. And the reality is, is that in our feelings, in our situations, in our logic sometimes, we become blind to where God is. Jesus is literally right next to them, and they can't see him. They don't recognize his presence right there in front of them. The guy that they've been following for who knows how long, how many years they've been following Jesus, and they don't recognize him. And how many times in our, in our situations or in our emotions, in our rationale, we're trying to find God in these things, but we are blinded to it. We can't see that Jesus is present with us. It's kind of that idea of something is staring you right in the face. It's clearly in plain sight. You can't see it. This might happen to you around your house. You can't find your keys. Honey, where are my keys, right? Honey, where's the remote? It's sitting right on the couch. I don't see it, right? You open up the fridge. Honey, where's the mayonnaise, right? I, I'm trying to find the mayo to make a sandwich. Where's the mayo? She's like, honey, it's in the drawer. I don't see it. We don't have any mayo. We got to go to the store. We don't have mayo. We slam the door and put the bread back and all that. She comes back, opens it up. Here's the mayo. There you go, right? But in our anger or in our emotion, in our anxiety, in our anger that we're feeling, we can't even see what's sitting right in front of us. These guys can't see Jesus is right there with them. And we become the same way. The truth is Jesus is with us in our journey. He's right there, even when we're not at our best. Even when we still have more questions than answers. We don't have it all figured out. Figured out. We're in a tough, difficult season. We need to be reminded that Jesus is with us on the journey. And so, as they're on their journey walking with Jesus, what happens? Jesus chimes in. And he begins to talk to them. And we see this in verse 25. It says that he said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what he had said in the scriptures concerning himself. So as they're walking and talking, what happens? Jesus kind of leads them on this little mini Bible study. Like of all the guys to lead you in a Bible study, that's the guy. Imagine what that Bible study was like. But what is he doing? He's explaining how the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, all tied to this moment, all point to this moment that Jesus is the Messiah. He had to suffer. He had to die. And, and through his resurrection, there is life. 
And he begins walking them through this journey of the Old Testament, how God created humanity. All of creation, God created humanity, wanted to be in relationship with humanity, but humanity sinned and there was brokenness. And out of God's love, he tries to restore that relationship. We see the consequences of sin in the Old Testament. The consequences of our sin is what? It is death. And the only way to pay that price is through a sacrifice of death. And, and there was an animal sacrifice system, and that animal serves as a substitute for ourselves, paying the death that we deserved, right, that humanity deserved. Well, it's a substitute, that little lamb, that little animal, but it's not enough. And Jesus is walking them through this, that a Messiah was needed. A chosen one was required to come in and step in and be the substitute, that the Messiah had to die as a substitute to humanity's sin. And that his resurrection would be enough to defeat the power of sin and the power of death. Like Jesus resurrected points that sin has no power. Death has no power. And so he's using these scriptures to bring a new perspective for these guys. It's really quite interesting because they would have been very familiar with the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. They would have been well versed in these stories, but they, they're being challenged to think of it in a new way. They see it in a new lens. It's kind of like seeing a movie for the first time and it had a twist ending, right? You were all caught up in it, didn't see it coming. Or it had one of those really confusing storylines where everything was intermixed and intertwined. And then by the end, either a twist story or a confusing story, in the very end, you're walking out of the theater, you're like, ah, I get it. Light bulb comes on on the drive home in conversation with people, right? These are really interesting, engrossing movies, but it's not till the end that we figure it out. We're able to see it for all that the director wanted you to see. Kind of like movies like, like Inception. You're watching the movie Inception, you're just like, what in the world is happening? These are really cool special effects. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get it, they're dreaming. Oh, the whole time, is he spinning the thing? Is he dreaming, right? Or you watch Fight Club and, and you realize like, oh, both of those guys are Tyler Durden. Spoiler alert, by the way. But you, you walk out of that movie like, oh, I get it. I see it differently. Interstellar, super confusing movie, right? Bouncing all over in the timelines and everything. But then you watch it, you realize like, oh, he's going back in time to communicate to his daughter. Aha, I get it. Or here's one very famous one, right? The Sixth Sense. You're watching this movie and then all of a sudden at the very end, you realize like, oh, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Again, spoiler alert. But if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, it's a little late. But the idea here that I want to illustrate is the next time you went to see these movies, the next time you popped in that DVD or that VHS with Sixth Sense back in the day, the next time you watched that, what, ha what did you do? You watched for every time Bruce Willis interacted with, with a person, realizing that they never actually were talking. You went back and saw the storylines intertwining in those really confusing Inception, Interstellar type movies, right? You went back and you looked at a movie through a different lens. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's challenging them. Look at the scriptures through a new perspective, through a new lens. Look at the scriptures as they all point to Christ. All the scriptures are pointing us to Jesus. And you look back and what do you see? You see a covenant made between Abraham and God that God is going to bring relationship to all nations. And that is fulfilled as Jesus dies for all people. You see in David, God makes a covenant with King David and says, I will put somebody on the throne from your lineage forever. David's all excited, doesn't quite understand it, but we look 
through the perspective of Jesus. And what do we see? Jesus comes from the lineage of David, and he is our eternal king. You look at the sacrificial system in place, and you read through Leviticus, and you read through all these sacrifices and blood and animals and all of this, and what do we see? We see the gory death of Christ being depicted generations prior. But it's pointing to the system that was going to be in place, that Jesus would be the Lamb of God sacrificed for all of humanity's sins. It's important for us to see this, and, and that's what Jesus is doing for these guys as they're walking and they're talking. He's helping them see scriptures in a new way, to understand that the Messiah did have to suffer, to understand that the Messiah was going to resurrect from the grave. What does that teach us today? And it shows us the power of the scriptures. We are a blessed people that we, we have our Bibles accessible to us, and, and it's on our phones, and we can, within the tap of a few buttons, we can get there and open up the scriptures at any moment. But it's understanding that God is with you. Jesus is with you on the journey to bring answers to your questions, to bring clarity in the fog. And he's going to use the scriptures to point us to not just facts and information, but to him. He's going to point us to himself because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. And we need that truth in our journey. He is the truth necessary for the journey ahead. Not your truth, not culture's truth, not my own truth, but we need the truth of Jesus in our life. That's what we see in this moment. Jesus is pointing them to truth, and we need the truth. We need Jesus in our story, a truth that will define us, a truth that will guide us, a truth that will answer our questions, a truth that will be the foundation for our life to be built upon. That's what Jesus is doing for those guys on the road, and that's what he does for us. He opens things up and points us to him. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, we see Christ being the, 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 the truth that we are led to. Once these guys grasp this truth, it's a game changer. This is where life is changed, is when these guys see this truth that, wow, the Messiah did have to suffer. Wow, the Messiah did have to die, and that through that there would be life. That's a, this is the changing point, right? This is the spark that leads to a change. And, and we see this in verse 31. It says, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Look at these guys. Are these the same two guys that were bummed out, moping along the road? Are these the same two guys that were sad and, and just like, oh, bummer, let's kick some rocks and wonder about what happened to Jesus? No, dude, look at this. These guys are alive. They're excited. Something has changed. Something has sparked in them. What is it? They've encountered the living God. Jesus is alive and they are alive as well. That's the difference that Jesus makes in us. When we encounter Jesus, we come to life. Jesus is alive, his word is alive, and guess what? You can be alive. You and I are alive because of Christ. The power that resurrected Jesus from the grave, that same power is alive today and in us today. That's what scripture says. It says that the power that raised Jesus from the grave is within you. And that's the song that we sang earlier today, that, that rattle song, that idea, that power of God resurrects us to new life. And you see that 
in these two disciples on the road. They go from bummed out, in grief, confused, doubting to what? They're alive. And man, we believe the women that saw the empty grave. We believe that what happened is true. We believe because we have seen the living God and he is alive and we are alive because of him. This is exciting. This is what Easter is all about. You and I coming to life. And I want to wrap up our time together with a brief observation from this story. I love this story. Like I said, I'm just walking and talking, man. I think it'd be best if I would have just preached while walking with you, but it didn't work out because I got to be stationary. But anyways, I, I just want to wrap up this story with an observation. It's the part where they get to the town and Jesus is there and begins to almost pretend like he's going to walk away. Did you catch that part? Where Jesus, it says it in verse 28 and 29, says that they approached the village which they were going and Jesus does what? Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Why did Jesus do this? This is an interesting moment. It's like Jesus is just like, yep, we're done. And he just walks off. And they're like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Stay with us, break bread with us. Let's eat together. Let's hang out some more, man. You got some good stuff. And they still haven't seen that it's Jesus yet. It's not until they break the bread and, 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 and sit down together. But there's a moment there where Jesus is like, I'm out of here. What's he doing? Why is he walking away? I think what we see in this passage is that Jesus isn't going to force his way into your life. Jesus is patient enough to wait for you to invite him in. Think about that. Jesus is willing to walk with you on your journey and in your confusion, in your grief, in your, in your journey, but he's wanting you to invite him into your journey. He's wanting you to invite him in to your story. You ever had somebody come to your house uninvited? I mean, this is a true story. I'm gonna tell you a true story. This last year, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my family and I were sitting down in our living room, we're watching a show, and we hear the security chime of our door go beep, beep, beep. And we're kind of looking around, and I did the quick head count, like one, two, three, four, five. Wait, who's coming through our door? <laughs> what is going on? And April hops up out of the, out of the chair and, and runs around the, the corner to see who, and some lady has opened up our door and begun to walk into our house. And we kind of both like, whoa, I heard her talking. We both kind of got up and did what? We kind of blocked our way and kind of got in the way and got the kids behind us. We're like, I don't know who you are. Some strange lady came busting through our door. And she had perceived that, well, the house is a part of the church. They kind of painted similarly, so they must be connected. So she literally just like opened our door. It was unlocked. And she came bursting through thinking it was the church office. We kind of had to stand there like, hey, how's it going? Let's go talk outside, not in my living room with my kids. And we're watching a show and I don't know you. I didn't invite you in. You know, when somebody comes knocking on your door, normally what do you do? If you expect them or you're welcoming them, you open the door and come on in. And you don't even care sometimes that it's messy. I don't really care that you come over. My house is messy. My life is messy at times. Come on in. There's dishes. There's clothes. There's all of this. I'm inviting you into this, even inviting you into my mess. I'm inviting you into my life. And Jesus, imagine this. Jesus is waiting for you to invite him into your life. He's waiting for us to invite him into our journeys, into our messes, into our story. Like the guys on the road who strongly urged Jesus, no, 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 stay with us. 
And I think what we learned from that is you and I have an opportunity. Each of us has an opportunity to say, Jesus, stay with us. Bring life to my story. You are invited to walk with me on this journey of life, to guide me into that truth and to breathe life, breathe life into my journey. But Jesus, I open the door for you to be a part of my story. Each of us has to give that invitation to Jesus, inviting him in, welcoming him in, saying, be a part of my journey. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we just come to you and, and we know you're knocking at the door. Jesus, you are knocking at the door of our lives, wanting to be a part of our lives, wanting to be a part of our story. And we choose right now to invite you in, to open the door and allow you to be with us. Jesus, even right now, we just give you our lives. We, we ask that you would forgive us of our sin, forgive us of our brokenness. I, I pray that you would guide us and be the king of our lives, be the truth of our lives, bring, quest, bring answers to our questions, God. Be the rock that we build our lives on. We build our identity on you from now on. Be the king of our lives. We thank you, Jesus, that you walk with us, that you are with us, and that you are alive today. And the only way that we find life, Jesus, and we believe this, the only way that we find life is in you. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.